Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is TJ Murphy and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Jim Teese, and this is going to be an extra special episode that I have been looking forward to for a very long time. Jim is someone I have personally looked up to since I was in high school, and we had such an incredible conversation that I just didn't want to end it. So because we went for well over an hour and a half, of value-packed insights. I'm actually going to split this one into two episodes. So be sure to tune in next week for part two, where we get into some incredible stories and takeaways you do not want to miss. So a little bit about Jim. Jim is the president and CEO of Project A, a global e-commerce and software development agency that he founded with his wife, Dina, in 1990. He is also the president and CEO of Ashland HomeNet, Ashland's largest internet service provider, cable TV, and phone company. Jim is an innovator, a masterful storyteller, and a true community builder, serving on over a dozen local boards and committees over the many years he's been in Southern Oregon. In addition to running a foundation, making charitable contributions in the areas of the arts, education, environment, and health, with the mission of creating a broad public benefit, primarily in Oregon, which I can attest to he does very, very well. Just a few of the golden takeaways Jim shares in this episode are lessons learned from the early ages of computers, building a mindset of learning, blending family and business, the power of going deep into your work, how to find the yin to your yang, why giving back needs to be a part of your organization's DNA, making quiet changes in the world, and important considerations for anyone thinking about going to college. So without further ado, this is Jim Teese and me. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, Jim. Welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Thanks, TJ. I'm excited. I'm excited to be on your podcast. Oh, man. I'm excited, too. It's it's honestly an, an honor to have you on the show. As I was prepping for this, I thought to myself, how cool is it that I get to interview Jim Teese? Because... <laughs> You have always been a leader in our community, and I've looked up to you and admired you simply, well, not simply because of all your success in business, but more so the way you have always given back to the Southern Oregon community and been a leader. You're someone who is involved in so many layers of the Southern Oregon community and a champion who fights to make it a better place filled with more opportunities and prosperity for those that live there. So thank you for all that you do, Jim. And I'm really excited, and I'd like to start, as I always do, with a bit of exploration into the journey. So can you tell us a little bit about your story leading up to you becoming the adventurous entrepreneur you are today? Yeah, and thanks for that. I, I appreciate that you you point those things out. You always wonder if if um, what other people you think. Um, so I appreciate you saying those Absolutely. nice words. 
So no. my journey, you know, I, I look at it. It's fun to see us face to face because I, I'm basically twice your age. And, yep. and I got into Project A, the software company um, that we own is over 30 years old, right? So we started in this, down this path 30 years ago, 30 plus yeah. years ago. Back when the internet was in its infancy. Uh, yeah, actually before that. Before so that we, even. Yeah, yeah, so we could talk about, you know, it was desktop computing really was the yeah. the start of it all. And corporations were calling me up. And my first my first clients were Apple, Taco Bell Corporation, Pitney Bowes, uh, American Express. I just have always had a knack to be able to get Fortune 500 companies. And, um, and so we could talk about that era, the 30-year spread there, or we could go before that i mean how far in the journey do you want to go i mean go ahead and go ahead and start there we're already on that right. okay yeah so so, so you, and you know dina my wife and yeah so you know when we met um she was a triathlete she was she's the person you actually should be interviewing she's we're gonna have her on next <laughs> yeah she's the adventurous world traveler uh she's she is you know when i met her she was go 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 and um and brilliant and has all these degrees. And I had, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college. So I didn't have any degrees. And we realized uh, right away, we were best friends and hanging out. And she was trying to teach me things like how to work out. And it was a mess, uh, how to go camping. That was a mess. Everything, I, everything she was trying to teach me is she, I don't know how we ended up together, but, but basically she realized, oh, you're one of those technical nerdy types and I'm really good at business. So why don't we get together uh and you know secretly i was in love with her so i was like yeah absolutely whatever you want (laughs) yeah i will do whatever you want and so um but i've always had the knack and the ability to get in front of c-level folks and talk about the future and talk about things and i you know i i basically um uh i have fearless imagination and I, I think that's something that's important for for folks to adopt, you know, and that is that um, I realized early on, whether it's Walt Disney's influence or Steve Jobs or I don't know whose influence it was or or all of them, but individuals can actually make huge differences in the world. But my favorite thing to do is to make what I call quiet changes in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I just learned that early on. And I had a knack with computers when I was a kid. I wrote a medical imaging system just before I met Dina. And, um, and you know, and, and, and the reality is I'm wired completely different than you and most other folks. And that is I was, I was, I'm the kind of person that would be perfect on a Mars mission. I don't need a lot of human interaction. You put me into a small room with some buttons and technology and give me a mission, give me a purpose and I go and I'll come back and three years later, um, got it done. And that's how, that's how I tackled my life. I was a loner and I just did it on my own. And then when I met Dina, that changed everything because I didn't want to be alone anymore. I just wanted to be with her. And I had to literally learn things like ride bicycles for fun and go work out and oh the things we do for love jim <laughs> yes you know go falling in love with a triathlete it's like it's like the silliest thing i've ever done but um but i've always so 
so it was just easy and simple for me to get clients like Apple Computer and come up with an idea that they thought was really cool. Let's go do it. And that was promising practices in primary education. I've always had desires to uh, work in the healthcare field, education field, um, and, and, and other fields. But what I realized, uh, architecture, what I realized as a young person was that I wasn't allowed to work in those fields because I didn't have credentials. You, I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college. So, so that really bothered me. And what technology did and my imagination did is it just empowered me and enabled me to say, I don't need that credential. I will work. I wrote a medical imaging system. What the heck did I know about that? But I understood what, what was really wrong at the time. And I wanted to digitize film, film to do an MRI scan back in the day. Um, it was $600 to do the scan. And most of that money went to Kodak and a lot of chemicals were used and a lot of film. And it was all, you know, radiology done on film. And I thought, you know, we could just digitize this. The, the Apple II was just, or no, sorry, Mac II was just coming out. Um, and that was fun. Uh, you know, we were black and white. I'm going to tell like old man stories now. Please but, do. <laughs> it, but, you know, but our monitors were black and white. Our monitors were green and amber. Yeah. Uh, color was so unique and so uh, hard for the c computers to do in the day. So, so it limited our thoughts, but I knew that one day they would figure out color. And I wanted to take advantage of that, that at that moment. And if you look at it at a, I keep holding it up because it's a sheet. That's a, yeah. yeah, the radiologist, that's what they do. They, in the old days, they just walked around doing that. Dry it out. Yeah. Drying it out. That's right. Yeah. And um, if you look at, it looks black and white, but in reality, there were 256 shades of gray in the new definition of x-ray. Uh, with these MRI scans. And I'm like, dude, that is so easy. That's just an eight bit clut table. And so we could manipulate that and I could stack all of these x-rays on top of each other and then flip it and let the radiologist pull data and actually look inside the brain. Hmm. You know, that's all I was doing. I was just layering all of these scans. And so I did that. It was three years of my life. I was 19. Um, uh, my friend from high school and I, he, again, super smart. He went off to college and he, I would tell him, go learn this stuff and come back and just let me know what you learned. Uh, he learned how to party. He learned a lot of cool things, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you know, but, um, but I was so happy just writing code. I was just this nerd. Yeah. Well, and you found the perfect yin to your yang in Dina, somebody who made you more comfortable being a little more social pushed you into to new sports and, and activities and also yeah. the perfect business partner to complement your skills yeah with yeah yeah she that is forward facing yep. person yep she's the cfo in all of our companies but the one that i'm involved in and um and so as the vision visionary the person with fearless imagination my job is to say yes we can do anything and her job is to say no we can't do that so yeah. it is yin and rain you it back is, in <laughs> yeah She's really good at it. She's, you know, so, but anyway, it's been, it's been great. And we've been so lucky and so fortunate, you know, when uh, Pitney Bowes, they tracked all these files, uh, legal documents. And back in the day before digital, digital files, a lawyer would get um, a file folder with all the important information in it and then go and work the case Yeah, and bring it back. And Pitney Bowes put these little 
file libraries in corporations, and they were managed. They were managing the check-in and check-out process, very manual process. So I just said, well, let's build databases to track that. And I taught myself about databases, and uh, got into doing that. And and I, for decades, believed that databases were the the key to world peace. That there was so much information. This is pre-internet really creating information, but there was so much knowledge and information already out there. But it wasn't indexed. It wasn't searchable. It wasn't, um, uh, you know. But now, because of the internet, creates more knowledge in one hour than we did in a lifetime, right? Yes. So, so now it's completely different. But back in the day, I thought databases were going to fix a lot of problems in the world. Um, just by giving us access to that. So I taught myself all about databases, did that, uh, uh, did a lot of cool systems, taught myself uh, OCR, uh, work for American Express. Um, and again, it sounds silly, but they were having a hard time with bills that would come in and getting paid and get uh, things were getting rejected. And so they, we put up some cameras and we were just scanning bills and getting that information as fast as we could. And be, because Dina was a triathlete, then it moved into, I could actually time triathlons the same way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so as triathlons were just starting, uh, I, my partner and I, Brad, uh, we got into timing triathlons. Craziest thing. It was nuts. What was I doing outside uh, timing triathlons? But I did that. And that was it. And then Dina got her master's in Arizona and I followed her there. Um, and, and, uh, we, you know, we basically said, let's, let's do this. And I got into medical billing, um, while she was getting her degree. And then I got into, I was at the, they had a pub on campus at her school and I was hanging at the pub and I got to meet, uh, important people that were coming to town and getting tours. And I was just a guy that was waiting for his wife to come out of class and, there was this executive from Apple who was being brought in and being uh, uh, wined and dined, I guess is the right word, uh, to, you know, to give back to the school or whatever. And I was there and the president of the university is there. And the, he's just entered in like, oh, hi, I'm just Jim. And uh, what, are you, what are you working on? Oh, I got this idea I'm working on called Study Buddy. And what's Study Buddy? Study Buddy is the ability for you to take all of your education through your entire life and carry it with you. And uh, so I showed him my diagrams that I had done on the napkin and all of that stuff. Well, that turned into me getting Apple as a client. Same right building. place at the right time at yeah. the pub. <laughs> with, with, again, with fearless imagination. Absolutely. So what, I am not a smart person. I am not, I never got to go to college. I never got to do any of those things. So why can I do this? Why can I, because I don't, I, don't, I respect the organizations and what they're trying to achieve. And I have no fear about being in a room with the people that are running it and just throwing ideas on the wall. And a lot of times I'll tell you, uh, Dina will tell you, my ideas suck. A lot of them. Um, you got to have you know, a lot of bad ideas to have a lot of good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Or ideas that aren't ready. Mm -hmm. Where I'm at in my life right now as I'm, I'm aging out is the ideas from when I was 12 years old, I can now go do. And so that's kind of exciting. We can get to that later if you want. But yeah. Well, yeah, one thing that stands out to me is this, yeah, fearless imagination and also just having a mindset of learning and always cultivating that practice of learning new things and following trends. So I want to get into that in a little bit. But before we do, 
What are you focused on today? Yeah, we'll break for a commercial here. Sponsor plug. Once we get them, we'll we'll plug that in here. But (laughs) I'd love to hear. I should be a sponsor. There you go. Project A. We'll give you a plug. Yeah, or uh, one of the other ones. We'll figure it out. Um, But but yeah, where where, where are you at? We're in December of 2022. Just to kind of set the stage for people, what has your focus right now? What do you do, and who do you do it for? Well. Yeah, so one of the challenges I have, the, the the word focus is like my kryptonite. It's it's my, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really hard for me to focus. Um, and it literally is my weakness. Um, that being said, I get a lot of things done. What I've done is I've, I've worked out systems in my life that enable me to be as unfocused as possible and still get a lot of crap done. It's unbelievable you know, and um, I've done a number of interviews over there and people are like, how do you keep track of all of these things that you have going on? I mean, right now, uh, you know, family is, both of my wife and I lost our mothers this year. And so family is like top of mind and there's a lot of stuff we're working through and and doing that. The business journal uh, is is super important to me right now for because entrepreneurs, I think, are the key to world peace. Everything's got to be the key to world peace. And so entrepreneurs, I believe, are the key to world peace. And so I want to give a voice to Southern Oregon entrepreneurs, and that's the business journal. So that's I got that going on. Um, if you if you go to my website, jimtees.com, you'll be able to see all the little bubbles of things that I'm at. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> There's a lot. Art of Authority, them. very active in Art Authority. It's the one company that I am a partner in that Dina is not a part of. Um, I've got three other partners in that. Uh, brilliant, brilliant people. And we basically, our mission is to bring the world's art to the world. Uh, there's a lot of art that's trapped in museums. And if you can't make it into that museum, you're missing out. So we're working hard to bring that art out um, to folks. Uh, what else? Project A has got a lot going on with global e-commerce. Uh, we've got so many things going on, uh, so many new exciting clients that we're working with. And I think that's part of the fun and, and going back to your adventurous entrepreneur. You know, I'm there are entrepreneurs out there that and and I have no I'm not picking on anybody. OK, mm-hmm. I always say the wrong things that offends people. But what, what I'm saying is you could be an entrepreneur and say, I want to uh, um, open a coffee stand and I want to stand here and sell coffee all day to my 25 to 80 guests and get five bucks a cup or maybe it's 850 and uh get sell coffee and that's it and there's nothing wrong with that you good for you 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 got yourself a nice little enterprise and you're doing your job and you're you're making a difference and and that's appreciated but that's not me i can't do that uh again because you have to be focused and organized uh to be able to do that so so, you know, my adventurous side is that risk-taking and learning. Constantly, you said it earlier. I have curiosity about everything, and it is distracting. I'll be watching a TV show, and they'll say something or do something, or there's a sign on the street, and I have to pause it, and I have to go now investigate. What is that street? Why is it significant? And what is the history? So, yeah, it, it, it sometimes sucks to be in the same room with me as we're trying to watch TV uh, together because because that's just the way I go deep. Your, your mind's I going a yeah, thousand miles an hour. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not good. And um, 
and I go deep on things when I want to learn it. Um, if yeah. we get to what I'm going to be doing when I retire, that I'm going, I'm going deep uh, in this thing that I invented when I was 12 years old. Um, so I'm working with a lot of nonprofits. A lot of the nonprofits right now are currently trying to build buildings. So I'm working with them. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect and found out you can't be an architect because you don't have to go to college to be an architect. There's like rules. And so I was like, okay, well, if I can't be an architect because you have to go to college to be one, what can I do? I can still dream buildings. So I get myself involved in organizations that are building buildings and helping them design the building. It's the coolest thing That's to so see cool. a building being built that has some of your ideas in it. Um, I love it. I, I, I just love the idea of there being this semi-permanent structure built that has some of my influence in it. There's some legacy of you that'll live on. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I just, I just enjoy it. And it goes back again as a kid wanting to be an architect, just wanting to do that and realizing being told by adults later, you can't, unless you go to college, that's not going to happen. And that, that's happened throughout my whole life until mm -hmm. computers. Um, and that fearless imagination. Yeah, but you know, thankfully, I, I, thankfully, nobody said that you have to have a degree to be working with computers. If adults had stopped me, but they didn't know, nobody knew what this was. What is this thing that nerds work with? Nobody told me that you have to have a degree to work with a computer, right? Because they didn't know. So cool. That's the coolest thing in the world. Thank you for not telling me that. And I went, I went as fast as I could. Um, let's see, what were we talking about? Well, so let's, let's paint a picture here, if you don't okay. mind. You mentioned your mom. And in my research, I discovered that you were born in the Philippines. Your mom yeah. was Filipino and yeah. she was a big influence in your life. And if I'm not mistaken, she raised you as a single mom from pretty early on. So if you don't yeah. mind sharing, I'm curious if looking back, there are any rules or, or lessons, habits to live by that your mom instilled in you that you believe have really shaped you and made an impact in your life as a leader and as a serial entrepreneur? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, yeah, so my mom was a Philippine, born and raised in the Philippines. Um, and during the Vietnam War, my, my dad uh, was stationed out there for nine years or so. I think, I think nine years. And in that time, met my mom and made two kids. Uh, then he got out, the war ended, and he got out and came back to the U.S. and brought, brought his wife and two kids with him. And then immediately left. So by the time I was nine, they were divorced, and she was abandoned in Southern California, far from home. And she had four kids at the time. And... Um, and so I was the oldest and I was able to watch her go through this adversity to be, you know, uh, in a very positive way. Uh, was, you know, did it affect her? Did it really challenge her? Absolutely. She, of course. she wasn't the, you know, I can't, I'm not going to look back and say she was the strongest person I've ever met or anything like that. It was hard. What, what she went through was hard. What we went through was hard. We were dirt poor. I, I grew up my whole life dirt poor, um, but I was able to watch how somebody gets themselves 
knocked down and picked up and takes care of four other little humans. And I look at my siblings now, and we're all givers. We're all doers. We're all, you know, uh, making those quiet differences in the world. Uh, and I attribute all of that to my mom's craziness. She was the first crazy. I learned you. Can, it's okay to be crazy. My mom's totally. Crazy. We're all uh, crazy. Yeah, we're all yeah. And she was okay with that. Um, but I also realized, and I, it's not. I don't blame her or anything. But the reason I didn't go to college was it was never discussed. It was not an option. It was almost like a failure if you go to college. What do you mean? You, you're supposed to go to work. Um, so I was working in high school. Uh, it was just expected is how it's our culture. Um, and as the oldest, your money went to help the family. And so it's just the way I was raised. And I don't have any regrets or anything. I, I just the way I was raised. And I remember so many uh, uh, things. And, and um, uh, growing up, we didn't have a washer and dryer. And so you would spend your weekends at the laundromat. And you, you know, if you can picture it, here's a single mom with four crazy kids running around. And <laughs> But it was hours and hours of her life were in that laundromat. And so I remember working at a pizza parlor, saving money, um, going to JCPenney's and buying a washer and dryer. When we, we she got to a point where she remarried and uh, we moved into a house that had room for a washer and dryer. And so, but it sat, there was an empty space. And so I went and bought that um, because I didn't want her spending all that time in the laundromat or myself, honestly, yeah. uh, anymore. I would rather we stay at home and be able to do it. So, you know, it's just it's just life and all of its craziness. And, you know, I'm a people watcher. So I spent many years watching my mom. Um, so, yeah, yeah. just. She's, she sounds like an amazing woman and someone that you learned a lot from over the years. And absolutely, that, that's a good segue because I think, you know, we talked a little bit about the theme of having a mindset of learning. And I know that when it comes to starting a business, something that I've learned is that I always need to be learning. I need to continuously sharpen my sword and keep my finger on the pulse of what the heck is happening out there in the world that's changing by the day, more like by the hour, it seems, or I'm going to fall behind, or at the very least, just lose out on opportunities to grow and, and make an impact. And I was actually talking to someone who reached out to me, I guess, a few weeks back now, and was wondering whether she should continue getting her marketing degree or just dive in and start getting real world experience working for a marketing agency like mine, which is why she reached out. And I believe there are a lot of young aspiring entrepreneurs and just smart, savvy and hungry people out there like the woman I spoke to who are wondering whether they should go to college or not. And you mentioned the fact that you didn't have that opportunity to go to college, but I know personally that you are someone who really values learning and having that mindset. So are there any habits or rules that you follow when it comes to learning new things? And what do you think aspiring entrepreneurs or just business-minded people should consider when it comes to attending college versus just diving in and getting real-world experience? Yeah, I appreciate that one too. Man, you're really good at this. <laughs> uh, I think that the, I, 
you know, I, I, I want to point out, so I never had the opportunity to go to college, but I'm a full supporter of college as part of the, the process for <laughs> certain people. As am I. And, and, and the reason I say that, it, you know, I've been on the Southern Oregon University board for over 20 years. And the reason I'm there is to help those that were like me, right? So we, we make sure that if you, if you can't go because of finances, we're going to find ways to help you go. If you want to go, but you can't go because you can't, it's not financially possible, there are ways to make that happen for you. Absolutely. Um, and there's so much more to the college experience than learning. And so I'm a big believer in it. I'm, I, I, like I said, I've been on it for 20 years and I, it is uh, awesome when I think about as many students as we've been able to help over the years go to school um, so that they can make differences in the world. And, and that's important. Um, that being said, though, that there are many things that you can do in life where the adults aren't going to say, but that requires a college degree. And like you're saying, marketing could be one of those. It could be, you know, uh, welding. It could be writing software. It could be whatever. So yeah. you don't need the degree to do the job. But what you're going to find out if you go to the right school and you pay the right price, if you go, you know, if you go crazy and spend a lot of money and you're in debt, that's on you. If you take classes that matter to you and you get inspired or shocked, that's what college is supposed to be about. It's supposed to open your eyes and go, oh my God. It's kind of like when you travel, right? When you 100%. and your wife travel the world, you're you're a sponge to experience. You're letting everything come at you and you're digesting and going, wow, this is, you know, that one not going to shape me, but boy, that one was, that one's going to make me rethink some things. That's what college is supposed to be. This, this high speed craziness of ideas and knowledge and excitement in a condensed window so that you can use it for the rest of your life. And I think the most powerful thing you can do in college is learn how to learn, yeah. not learn how to pass a test, learn how to learn, because for the rest of your freaking life, you're going to need to relearn constantly all the, I mean, it's funny when I think about how I used to write software. It's funny when I think about the way we used to do things. I laugh. It's like, oh my gosh, we just had no idea. And so so yeah, I love learning. And like I said, my challenge is I go deep. So when you say something and it inspires me to learn, right? Let, let's pick uh, making beer. A couple of years ago, I'm trying to remember exactly when, but a couple of years ago, somehow I thought, you know, I want to learn how to make beer. I enjoy it. How do you make it? What's it all about? Yeah, I went really deep, really I remember. I, <laughs> I remember you posting I a lot about your, your beer journey. Yeah, because it is a journey, right? Yeah. Each of us go on. You post. I love following your post as you're traveling the world or you're making differences in people's lives. We're sharing our journey. Well, I did the same thing during that beer making stint, but I didn't like, oh, I I just made some beer and people. Are no, I went crazy all the way to the point of almost buying a brewery. I mean, I literally, that's my problem is I just go so deep on my new knowledge, but I read everything about the quality of water, the quality of the enzymes that what's going on. I, I bought grains from all over the world because wow. I wanted to see what my beer would taste like with different grains and what 
I didn't even understand that there were different grains. That's, you know, I, it's not my, my thought pattern. So yeah, I go really deep and it doesn't matter what it is. I go deep uh, and teach myself. I'm not good. I'm old school. I'm the, I read, um, I, you know, I'm not a good uh, learn by YouTube or, um, and I'm not knocking it. It's just not me. I'm, no, there's not lots good. of ways to learn. That's one of the beautiful things about the day yeah. we live in today, but yeah, yeah, I read. I love reading. And yeah. it's it's important when you have that, you know, passion. Something is like really exciting to you. Follow it. Go deep. Go as deep as you possibly can until it's not fun anymore or you've learned all you need to and then move on to something new. But if you're feeling that tug to try something and to learn about it, follow that. That's your gut telling you that this is something that's important. Yeah. And yeah. So you, yeah. And and so moving on that, I mean, everything that you've learned has allowed you to give back in some really impactful ways. You're someone to who really gives back to his community on so many levels. What does that mean to you? And has serving others led to any transformational changes in your life that have really allowed you to reach new levels of success in business or just in the impact that you have? Uh, I, you know, I don't know about transformational. I, I would say that it's, it's, I always tell people it's in our DNA. And what I mean by that is it's just, I'm wired this way to do, to work the way I work, to do the things I do, to, to uh, give back where I give back. If you can't, if you're just not in your DNA, I don't, it's not a, look at me, I do this and you don't. So I'm better. Yeah. It's not that there's no transformation to being the giver um what i realized early on remember i grew up dirt poor yeah. and then i just became less dirt poor and and i was okay with that and thankfully dina was okay with that for a long time she was okay that you know really we're gonna yeah we're i don't because i don't want my life to be about making money and spending money for my own self right um I would rather make enough money, be comfortable enough, take care of my family and whatever's left over, who else can we help do the same thing? And it's not because I'm better than any, I, it literally is just because of the way I was raised and, and find people that need help and find ways to help them quietly um, to help other folks. And I call it adopting and, and maybe over time, you know, somebody will say, well, that's, not a, a politically appropriate way of saying it, but I love adopting people or adopting families or adopting organizations. I love it, love it, love it. And I go all in. So if I join a nonprofit, um, uh, I go all in. I will learn absolutely everything about that industry and, and so on. Um, and best practices around the world that organizations like that organization are doing and see what we can do to be to improve ourselves because the, the way a nonprofit works is you want it to be the most efficient and powerful organization that it can, because then it can reach more of its mission faster. Yeah. If you, so many organizations, mom and pop shops, nonprofit organizations, big corporations aren't functioning very well. A lot of them are dysfunctional, just like families. They're dysfunctional. When you're dysfunctional, you spend a lot of your bandwidth in turmoil, you can't really move forward because you're just in turmoil constantly. It's stressful. There's a lot of Pepto-Bismol being drank. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just a mess. What 
what I have found over the years is that I have this knack or this ability to kind of let's bypass the dysfunctional parts, get to a functional organization that can fulfill its mission faster, better, um, uh, and stronger. That's what I, I love that. And I do that for individuals. They don't have to be a nonprofit. I do that. I adopt certain individuals and some have worked out amazing and I love it. I'll take all the credit for you. No, I'm kidding. But um, I, I just love it. I love doing what I can to help others. Um, have I, I don't know about transformational. I'm just the same. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's something I, I tremendously respect about you, Jim. So keep on, yeah. keep on giving. You're, you're making an impact out there in the world and you're inspiring people like myself, whether you know it or not. So well, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. And this is a podcast about entrepreneurship, but one of the biggest hurdles that most successful entrepreneurs face at one time or another is living a well-rounded life and doing the things that bring us joy with the people that we care about most. I'd love to hear like, what does that look like for you with all of the committees, all of the boards, all of the businesses, are there any recipes for success that enable you to make it all work and get it all done and not bring it all home with you at the end of the day? Yeah, so that's another good one. And, and do me a favor, we make a note to circle back later on the on the giving back thing and, and entrepreneurship specifically and why that should be part of your DNA. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't, ha I'm not good at recipe following. I'm not good at, at, you know, I'll read a lot of books on here's my path to success and what I've done. And if I, I, what I found is that I can't follow those paths. They don't work for me or it, it, it you know, it's just, it, it doesn't work for me. So I just go where my passions are. And you have to identify those passions. And then you hope that your family is okay with those passions too. You hope that somehow they align. And I'll, I've been through this, right? My children are, are your age. Yep. And so I can share with you that I made a ton of mistakes. Uh, if you were to look at it from my children's point of view, uh, I go really deep on work and my community involvement and so much more. And there were times, there were uh, times in the timeline of that child rearing age that I missed out. Um, and I, I don't know if it's a regret, but it's the truth. And I missed out because I, I was needed somewhere else. And I know that, you know, and I, I could tell you, we'd be crying if I told you some of the stuff that I screwed up on. Um, it's simple things like being there for my son when he wanted to build Legos, but instead I was at a meeting, you know, yeah. it sounds silly, but it literally is a significant thing. So nobody should follow my recipe um, because I did miss out and my kids missed out on a lot of that. Now, that being said, once I realized it and started making changes, I was able to juggle and, you know, it's the same thing. If, if you look at all the buckets in your life, and companies being one of them, and the nonprofit organizations being one of them. If there isn't an equally sized important bucket called family, then that's going to suffer. So I use the simple tool, the, the calendar, yeah. and I would color code my meetings, and I would color code them by my passions and those pillars, companies, family, community. And if I look at my calendar, and it is not a rainbow, of colors, 
then I'm doing it wrong. If it's all one color, then all of my time and energy and focus is going. And self is in that too. It's one of the pillars of self. So if you are all like, oh, dude, I'm focusing on me. And you look at that calendar of everything that you did. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of me time, which is awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm awesome. I'm all about me time. That's all about me time. Well, then the other segments missed out. And I'm not saying your rainbow's got to be equal in color. Um, but it was just how I was able to help help myself see how I was spending my time intentionally. And when my kids got into sports, which they got from Dina, not from me, um, I made a point of being there. And uh, as it's probably, again, I say all the wrong things, but I became the team mom uh, for uh, my kids when they would let me. Uh, Teague was totally awesome about it because I love feeding people. I love helping people. I love, so I would show up, I wrote a little app. They could take They could place their orders for what kind of food, gluten-free, oh whatever. And then I would have all the sandwiches made for them, all the snacks they needed, dietary deals to help. That was my role as they were doing, you know, Teague was three sport athlete. Yeah. Um, Quinn was, I think, two sport athlete. And that was, if they allowed me to, if, the, if, if they were okay. And when she, Teague went to college, they got me a shirt that said team mom on it. I love that. I, yeah. And I was yep. the team mom for the college team. Amazing. I, it, yeah. And it's just prioritizing. Now I followed the team as they went on road games. I had everything that they needed, but I, because just like you adventurous entrepreneur, I was able to work from anywhere. Yep. Right. So I always had my little Pepe 2.0 RV and I followed the team while she was in college and I, I did it. It was awesome. Until she picked up rowing, and I was like, I don't, this one I've got to learn. I have a whole new sport i got to learn. So she she rowed for Oregon State University, and uh, yeah, that was mind-boggling. Because we're talking about volleyball was my whole life, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a big transition from volleyball to rowing. I didn't actually realize that oh, he was yeah. a rower in college. That's amazing. Yeah. Allie was a rower too. And yeah. it was the same for me. I was like, I don't know anything about the sport. So I'd you'd get up early because they start these races the crack of dawn. Exactly. Man. Crack of dawn. It's outside. It's cold. It's raining. Yeah. My first regatta I went to, we drove forever to get to it. It's out in this lake. And uh, I'm rooting. You know, I just see the, the uh, going by the boat there. And I'm rooting for him. And I ended up being that I was rooting for the wrong the men <laughs> on the wrong team wrong team yeah so uh, yeah whatever your your spirit was what counted <laughs> so i mean you know that's that's another thing giving back to these teams and and your kids experience in sports through through high school and college so as you mentioned bringing it back to giving back and having that recipe in your dna yeah. what was your your follow-up there well, I, you know, one of the key things I'm looking at, and it's time-based right now, but Morgan George was a student of mine. I taught classes at Southern Oregon University, and he was a student of mine. I'm going to say seven years ago, he would correct me, maybe it's longer. But when he graduated, he uh, opened a pizza, he did a number of entrepreneurial things, but he ended up with a pizza parlor called Northwest Pizza. Mm -hmm. And he incorporated because it was already part of his DNA. He didn't copy mine. He didn't say, but he incorporated my philosophy what I taught in the class about giving back has to be part of what an organization does. It just is what you do. 
you work for clients and you give back. And he has taken that so much further than I would have ever thought. And it's so amazing to watch him create this pizza parlor that gives back. And uh, the Business Journal gave him the first ever uh, award uh, that it gave out. And I, I, he was one of three award winners. It was during COVID, right after the fires, watching him, how he uh, took care of the community that he loves so much. But he runs a pizza parlor. He runs a pizza parlor. This man is amazing. The it's way a great helped, pizza parlor, though, by the way. Yeah, it's a great pizza parlor. <laughs> but he, he went, you know, pizza parlors did well during COVID. During the lockdown, pizza parlors already had delivery figured out. They've been doing it for since pizza was invented. The Italians on, you know, the, the Romans were out there delivering pizza. So mm -hmm. he already knew how he was going to deliver, uh, how he was going to be able to do that. But there were so many restaurants that didn't have that infrastructure in place. So he went out of his way to deliver to you a gift card from another restaurant, a competing restaurant, so that when you bought a pizza from him, which was convenient and easy and everybody needed it, he was delivering cash money that he spent at another restaurant to you so that you would go try that mm -hmm. other restaurant. He went out of his way to make sure that the community was supported, not just pizza industry. It's so amazing. And it's time and time again, he keeps doing this over and over and over again. Well, recently he was a victim of cyber fraud. And in that, um, uh, he didn't come out publicly with it. His inner circle of friends said, here's what happened. And, and you know, cyber fraud is a real thing. It's in, in the trillions of dollars that's happening. And we've lost control at, at, and we've got to figure it out. But in the meantime, here's one of our own, an entrepreneur, a business person in the community that he loves. He loses his life savings, $90,000 that he was going to go buy a home with. They intercepted the transaction and sent him wire instructions, the, the bad actors. And so he followed the instructions in the email and transferred his life savings. And now it's gone. It's gone. 90K. So the community hears this. And because of the work that he's done in the community and because of the love that he's given the community, the community steps up and says, that's not right here. We're going to make it, we're going to try to make it better for you. Now it's hard to raise $90,000. It may never get there, but imagine what he feels like knowing all the love that he's given is being paid back. It's, coming it's not back even all the love. I mean, I, you got to read my stuff. I'll, um, I'll send you a link. It, yeah, I, I wrote about, about him. This. He, he's just awesome. He's just such a great human. Uh, and and I love. And the same thing happened after the fires. Everybody, you know, my God, we lost so many homes here in Southern Oregon, yeah. and so many businesses. And to watch the outpouring of support and all the GoFundMe's and all the small twenty five dollars, fifty dollars, hundred dollars, thousand dollars, every little amount. That's what cool technology has shown us. Every small thing you do makes a difference. So I, I thanks for letting me circle back on that because no, thank you for he, sharing that. I mean, I go ahead. Well, he's just an example yeah. of an entrepreneur that makes giving back part of his DNA, makes and look at the love that he gets back when he needs it. Oh man. I mean, I remember even back when I was in Little League. I mean, they were always sponsoring little league teams and bringing pizza and, and doing all those little things, but I mean, clearly there was, there was so much more impact that he's had that I wasn't aware of. So thank yeah. you for sharing that story. Yeah. Yeah.
And, you know, as you were a mentor to him, part of our focus in this show is looking at entrepreneurship through the lens of being an adventure. And in every great adventure story, there's a guide or mentor like yourself who leads the hero down the path to reaching their ultimate goal. Do you have any mentors or influential people in your life that come to mind that have helped shape you into well, the man you are today? Your mom, of course. Being yeah, my one. mom, of course. And you yeah. brought that up and I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, I can tell you small, I, you know, I'm not, I, a true mentorship came in very small, quiet ways. And so probably one story that said, I told you I wanted to be an architect. I'm walking, I'm a kid. I'm walking my kid, my uh, si siblings, my brother and sister, we're holding hands and we're walking down this, going somewhere, maybe a doctor's office. I'm not sure. And because my mom had to work, clean apartments and do that. So I was responsible for getting them where they needed to go. And we're walking down in, in, in Southern California, we're walking down this um, strip mall, we would call it today. It wasn't that back then. And there was an architecture office in there. And I always loved to kind of stop and they had their windows open and you could watch them work. And I, it fascinated, blew my mind. And an architect came out, saw that I was showing my siblings and pointing at the pencils and all this stuff. And that one day I would be able to do that. And he came out and introduced himself and, and talked to us and invited us in. It was amazing. Who are we? Kids. Mm -hmm. And he made that small connection, that small mentorship. So that's what we do. Now, you didn't even get me crying when I was talking about my mom. Now I'm crying about a stranger hey, who, who reached out. Um, it's those simple acts that yeah, are the it most was awesome. impactful in our lives. Yeah, it was awesome. He was also the adult that said, if I don't get a college degree, I'm never going to be able to do it. Yeah, uh, so he was wrong about that one. But yeah, he, he deflated my dream at that moment. But the point is, a stranger made a difference. A stranger said, this is what it's like to work inside an architecture's office. Isn't it cool? It was fun. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. When I was a kid, I wrote that medical imaging system. I was invited to uh, Fresno Hospital. And they said, hey, do you want to see your software? in action because i just sit in a room and write software i don't actually see it in production yeah back then and uh i said sure so i went to fresno i was living in in um, orange county santa Ana at the time and i went to fresno and there's this young man looked like you a little chubbier than you <laughs> and uh but he had like these clip-on bears on, on his stethoscope and just yeah. this nice cherubby cherubby young man big beard super sweet you just the charisma of a of a you know puppy just neat just a neat yeah. guy and he he just said you know i use your software every day and i just thought you would like to see it actually make a difference and again it's like who does that who reaches out to that the nerd so cool. behind the scenes and says would you like to see what you do and how we use it and it's one of my recommendations now for everyone, go and actually see what you do and the difference it makes, because you're going to learn from that and improve it to make a better difference. As an entrepreneur, when you're starting a business, what are you doing? You're improving lives of others, whether it's your family, which is a key component, yourself or your customers. That's what you do. 
when whether you're serving coffee, writing software, um, creating marketing plans, it doesn't. You're improving other humans' lives, right? Um, even if you, I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything where that's not what your real end goal is: improve the lives of other people. And so, making life better in small, quiet ways. Some people want to make life better in giant, big, loud ways, and that's just not me. I don't, I don't do that. Um, I think it's more powerful if you make quiet changes to people's lives. So yeah, there's certain people, certain humans that I've interacted with over the years that really inspired me. Um, they're not the George Lucas who I stood feet away from at a conference. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of actors and actresses that that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of uh connected with in one way or the other but they didn't they didn't really inspire me i'm more inspired by i served on the fair board the jackson county fair board for nine years i turned off and what blows my mind about the fair board is it again it's not technology it's not what they're all about they're all about agriculture a certain way of life um, and bringing the entire citizenry of the county together for seven days or 10 days to celebrate, have fun, drink beer, listen to live music, enjoy each other and and uh, appreciate what we have in our county. Yeah, my, my county here in Jackson County, where you were from, Deschutes County, right? Everybody should go to their county's county fair. Anyways, I got on the board. And what do you do when you're on the board? You work with a lot of cool, amazing people, like-minded people that want to do great things and help other people. And I met a food vendor, a food vendor, the person you walk up to and say, I need a corn dog. I need a hot dog, whatever. And I watched this person, Daryl Wichelow. And he is a mentor to me today. He is so amazing. He gets there early, sets up his food booth. And then helps all the other food vendors set their food booths up. Mm -hmm. He gets there early so that he has time to help others, right? His competition, the people in the same area. Yep. He wants, it's so awesome to learn from him and watch how he works. Um, it's just, it's just, I mean, the, the no, list is on and on. And, and that, that point there, whether it was the architect who, who went out of his way to the, give advice to a stranger and show you, some things or this food vendor, it's important and something that I've really come to realize I need to do and make just a ritual in my life is those random acts of kindness, helping strangers, like every day doing something to help someone that is outside of the norm, outside of your, you know, business scope, outside of what you do. That is what life is all about, helping people. I think there's another thing that you can do too. Random acts of kindness are awesome and important and yeah it, you know it's intentional or intentional acts of yeah kindness. intentional yeah. just 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 like he he gets there early so he has time to help the others that's yeah. intentional he gets he says i do it because i love helping my friends these are my friends i see them at every fair and he loves it right so so you know find ways to intentionally help others um it's it is what being a human is all about. I, I think, and, and I don't know, I've never traveled with you, but I think as you travel the world, what is the most fun and exciting parts? It's meeting, meeting other humans. 
yeah. that live there or have traveled from somewhere far away. They inspire you with whatever. I mean, it's I listened to your first podcast. It, it, you tell the story of how during travel you were seeing others do what you're doing. And like, I, I want to do this, right? So in that same vein, in that same vein, think about travel and meeting all of those individuals and then look around your own community and go, those same fun individuals could be met right here in my own community and I could inspire them and they can inspire me. It's just fun. I just, it is fun. Yeah. I like that. Hey, thanks for listening. As promised, the show will go on, but you will have to tune in next week for part two of this very special episode with Jim Tease. We get into even more crazy stories and Jim shares his advice for how to keep going when things are really hard and dark and bleak the importance of being uncomfortable, and shares an incredible story that will show you how you can turn an adventure out of a single photo. So see you next week. And until then, keep on exploring, people. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.